The two verses of Scripture that I read to you are most commonly known throughout the church. No doubt you've heard them read, you've read them yourself, you've probably heard many sermons preached from that text. But there's something specific that I want to focus on here today as we get into the message. We live such busy lives. Anybody in the house busy? Do you have a busy life? One person? I need to know what your secret is. How many of you have a busy life? There are many things that are competing for our attention. And if we're not careful, those things competing for our attention will actually become a distraction from the Lord. There is also no doubt that we are living in perilous times. As Paul described in his letter to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that perilous times will come or difficult times will come when men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, Reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. This is the word of God. But he didn't stop there. He wrote five more words. Avoid such men as these. Avoid such men as these. No doubt we are living in difficult times. We're living in perilous times. We're living in busy times. And with the recent events that are unfolding with Israel, I believe I can confidently say to you today that the stage is being set for the soon return of Jesus for His bride. Therefore, it is imperative for us that we solidify or reinforce our allegiance and our commitment to finish the race we are running. I want to use for a title this morning, Stay the Course. Stay the Course. The second verse that I read in our text or the first verse, the last part of the first verse, talks about us running with endurance, a race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, or as the King James says it, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. The very term, stay the course, simply means to keep going strongly to the end of the race. Keep going strongly to the end of the contest. It means to pursue a difficult task 
or activity to the end, to its completion. We can't afford to get distracted now. We can't afford to get sidetracked now. We can't afford to lose focus now because we are closer than we have ever been before. What does it look like to stay the course? It looks like doubling down. It looks like knuckling down. Anybody understand what those terms mean? It, it means to re-assure uh, your grip on whatever you've got a hold of. Staying the course means my eyes are fixed on the goal. My eyes are fixed on the prize. I will not let what's happening to the right or to the left deter my focus, deter my vision, deter my mindset. Because there are many people who will allow themselves to be distracted. It has already happened to some. It will happen to others. There will be a great falling away. But we must stay the course. The good news is we are closer to the end than we are the beginning. We're not still at the starting point. We are approaching the finish line. It is imperative that we stay the course. Let's talk about staying the course. First Chronicles 16 and 11 from the Amplified Version says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Yearn for and seek His face. And to be in His presence continually. How do you stay the course? In order to stay the course, you must first seek the Lord. You must constantly be seeking Him. Following Him. Watching Him. Allowing Him to navigate your path. Not only seek the Lord, but you must seek His strength. Why is that important? Because in and of our own selves, we are not strong enough to make it in the world in which we live. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We don't have the ability. We don't have the intellect. We don't have what it takes to stand without the Lord. We must seek Him and His strength to stay the course. Why is that important? Because Paul said it like this in the New Testament. In our weakness, He is made strong. When we recognize our inability, that's when we can see God's ability. When we recognize that we are incapable of doing things, that's when God says, let me show you what I can do. How do you stay the course? By seeking the Lord and His strength. Yearn for. 
desire it. Have a longing for something. Seek His face. And do what? Be in His presence continually. Now, let me be pastoral. I'll be evangelistic in a minute, but let me be pastoral. If the only time we are in the presence of God is on Sunday when we assemble like we are today, you're in trouble. If the only time we sense and feel the presence of God is on Sunday morning when we assemble together, we're in trouble. This should be a lifestyle. It should be a daily experience. It should be the path in which we walk. How do you do that? Well, that means you've got to seek His face every day, not just on Sunday. You've got to seek His strength every day, not just on Sunday. You've got to yearn for and desire Him every day. You've got to be in His presence every day if you're going to make it. Like the songwriter's words when he penned it. And he walks with me and he talks with me. That gives the idea that it's an everyday experience. You cannot stay the course one day out of seven and be successful. Let me give you the illustration. If a marathon runner decided that they were going to run a marathon... And they knew they had to train. And they decided that they would train today and take the next six days off. Then train the next day and take another six days off. Then train the next day and take another six days off. They would fail the marathon. Stay the course. This is not a one day out of the week experience. But if we're going to stay the course, we've got to seek the Lord continually. We've got to seek His strength continually. We have got to be in His presence continually. That's going to take some perseverance. What does it mean to persevere? Continue in a course of action even in the face of difficulty. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I'm not trying to paint you a bed of roses. There's going to be some difficult days. You may say, I've got some difficult days behind me. If you live and breathe long enough, you're going to have some more difficult days in front of you. But you've got to quit focusing on the difficulty. Quit focusing on the difficult days and seek His face. Understand that the difficulty you face does not belong to you. If you belong to God, the difficulty belongs to Him. You just got to seek Him so He can navigate you through it. I could have called this GPS. No, not global positioning, but God positioning. Because that's what our life is. God positioning us to be successful. God positioning us to be successful. Many times we're not successful because we are not where God is trying to position us to be. Because we're not allowing Him to do what He needs to do in us because we're not seeking His face enough. Listen, you've come too late to try to convince me it's not an easy task to sit down and read your Bible. It is not an easy task to find time to pray. Because I can promise you, the minute that 
set aside the time to do that and to seek his face or to seek his word, everything under the sun is going to happen. Your phone's going to ring. The doorbell's going to ring. Your mind will be flooded with 10,001 things that you have not yet done that you wanted to get done. You will become distracted. But can I just take time to tell you that even if your house is dirty, Jesus is still coming back. Jesus is not going to look at your house to see if your floor was freshly mopped. He wants you to seek His face. Now I'm not saying that's an exemption from sweeping and mopping. I'm not saying that. But what I am telling you is Set aside the time and make it His time to seek His face, to seek His strength. Allow Him to position us in a place to be successful. Stay the course. Persevere. Ephesians 6.18 in the CEV version says it like this. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. Stay alert and keep praying for God's people. Stay alert. Stay alert. Stay alert. Listen, we already know some bad things are going to happen. We already know some difficult days are ahead. But can I just tell you that God's not surprised by those things? I said God is not surprised by those things. Listen. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How do we seek His face? How do we get positioned by God for success? Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not on the politicians. Not on the government of this world. Not even on the pastor. Be quiet. I'll say amen. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, when we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, we see complete protection. We see complete protection from the elements. You know the story when Peter had his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on water, but the minute he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. But the reality of it is the same wind that was blowing and the storm that was raging when Peter was sinking is the same storm that was raging while his eyes were on Jesus. But when his eyes were on Jesus, he didn't notice the wind. He didn't notice the rain. But it was when he allowed himself to become distracted It was when he allowed himself to shift his focus that he began to sink. As long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was positioned for success by walking on the water and he was staying the course. Why? Because he wasn't seeking his own ability because under his own power he couldn't walk on water. But in the strength of Jesus, he was able to walk on water. Stay the course. Don't get weary. Bad days may be ahead, 
but keep your eyes on Jesus. How do we stay the course? We stay the course in the gospel. And who, Colossians 1, 21 through 23, and who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now been reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, listen, if indeed you continue in the faith, then there's a comma. And there's some things that's connected to continuing in the faith. Listen, stable and steadfast. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So what does it look like to continue in the faith? You're stable. You're steadfast. You're not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Why do people fall away? Because they allow their hope of the gospel that they've heard to be diminished. They allow the hope of the truth of the gospel to be robbed of them. But as long as they have their eyes fixed on Jesus, as long as we are seeking His face, as long as we are seeking His strength, we can continue in the faith. We can be stable. We can be steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the faith. You say, it feels like everything I'm standing on is just rocky right now. That's fine. That's okay. Because what you're standing on is an earthly foundation. But even while you feel like you're rocking and a-reeling, you can in your faith be firm and steadfast, knowing that the God that I serve is more than able to take me through this. Not blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But the doctrine of Jesus Christ is the only doctrine. Continue in the faith. Be stable. Why do I need to be stable? Because a double-minded man. Hello. Anybody ever read that? A double-minded man is unstable in how many? All his ways. Well, what does it mean to be double-minded? It means to be gospel-minded one day and earthly-minded the next. We can't afford to be earthly-minded at all. We've got to stay in the gospel. Stay the course. Stay in the word. We stay the course by having confidence in God's work in us and through us. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you something? You're not all you think you're cracked up to be. And neither am I. And the reality of life is just simply this. I may not be who I want to be right now, but I thank God I'm not who I used to be. There's an old southern gospel song. Some of you whose hair is not as dark as it used to be, or not as full as it used to be, will probably remember this. When I say it, just wave at me if you remember this. There's an old southern gospel song. They used to say, he's still working 
on me. Anybody remember that? A few of you. But he who has begun a good work in you, it's not time to quit. It's not time to lay down. Having confidence in God's work in us and through us, he is going to finish what he started. Hmm. Come to the revelation of our position in Christ. We are in God's hands. He holds us in His hands. Stay in the faith. Don't defect from the faith. Stay in the faith. 1 Peter 1, 3-7 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to the abundant, His abundant mercy hath begun, begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, and the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. We're going to go through some trials, but keep the faith. Stay the course. Listen, I, I turned 48 this week. Last week, whatever it is. Monday. Last Monday. And I remember growing up in church as a young boy hearing preachers preach about the return of Jesus Christ. I didn't think I'd ever grow up to be the age that I am now. Jesus was coming probably before the last amen. I'm just telling you, that's how they preached it. They preached it with such passion and such an urgency that Jesus is coming back. But here I am, many, many years down the road, proclaiming the same truth. It's not a myth. It's not something that we just Believe to give us some kind of false sense of security and hope. But hear this preacher today. The things of the world are shaping up. The prophecies of Scripture are being aligned for one event that remains. And it is the blast of a trumpet. It is the foot of Jesus Christ to step out on the clouds of glory and call the bride of Christ home to be with him. That's what we're looking for. That's why it's worth staying the course. That's why it's worth getting to the finish line. I may not be as young as I once was, and we may not move as swift as we once did, but child of God, don't stop running the race that is before you. Keep the faith. Stay the course. The best is yet to come. It'll be worth it after a while. I said it'll be worth it after a while. Stay faithful. I mean, after all, Moses was faithful. Jesus was faithful. We've got to be faithful. One thing that was required of us is to be faithful. 
and to stay faithful. Things are not going to always go my way. As much as I don't like that thought. Hello? Listen. I've got to read something to you. Here's why we've got to stay faithful. Here's why we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because there are many distractions that are competing for our attention. It's time for us to rise up and take charge of the situation in our soul. Never forget that it is your soul. It is my soul. That means the burden of responsibility is placed on me for my soul and you for your soul. We are responsible for what happens there. Even if somebody has wronged me, it's simply a fact that I am the only one who has the power to either allow bitterness to reside in me or to deal with it and get rid of it. It is my responsibility to remove those bitter roots and be freed of the inner mess. Why are you saying this? Because we get so distracted by petty things. I'm I'm, going to pause right here and take a little time just to tell you a story. We allow the pettiest things to derail us. Many years ago, I was sitting in a waiting room in Monroe, Louisiana. My mother was having gallbladder surgery. And as I was sitting in the waiting room, awaiting for her procedure to be finished, there was a gentleman there that I struck up conversation with. And we were just talking about church. We were talking about the Bible. We were talking about God. We were talking, just having a, a great conversation until it derailed. And the subject of loving everybody came up. And he looked me right in my face as a matter of factly and said, I don't love everybody. Well, my inquisitive self had to know why. Sir, why do you not love everybody? And he said, I have an uncle that I hate. My inquisitive self wanted to know why he hated this uncle. Sir, may I ask, what could cause you to hate your uncle? Now listen, we are admonished in Scripture to love everybody. Yes, love everybody. Because love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God, and he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's Scripture. He said, I hate my uncle because, this is what he said, we went in a business deal together on some goats. He didn't have to say anymore. I knew at that moment there was nothing else he could say that would solidify his hatred. Because I'm going to tell you something, I'll never go to hell over a goat. 
He said, I went into a business deal with my uncle on some goats. Well, I couldn't stop there. Do tell, sir. He said, we went in halves and we bought these goats. And one day he decided to sell his half of the goats. And he sold my half too and he kept the money. He said, and because of that I hate him. I looked at him and sometimes my mouth gets in gear before my mind does. Because it wasn't a Sunday so I wasn't feeling the anointing. And I said, sir, may I ask you a question? I said, do you mean to tell me you're willing to risk going to hell over a bunch of goats? And his response was, it doesn't matter, I hate him. Because he took my goats and sold them and he kept the money. We are responsible for petty things that we allow to enter into us. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when we stand before God, God's not going to be concerned about the goats. God's not going to be concerned about the money that was kept. God's going to be concerned about the condition of his soul. And the reality of it is simply this. The Lord helped me to understand something one time and it's revolutionized my life. And I want to say this to you and I hope it will help you today. That when things happen that I don't like and things happen that I find great difficulty with, I, sometimes it hits me quicker than others and sometimes I struggle with it before I, I get back to this point. But I ask myself, when I stand before God, what is this right here going to matter? And the truth is, if it's not a hell or heaven issue, then it don't need to matter to you. What do you mean, preacher? If it's not going to get you to heaven, don't worry about it. If it's going to send you to hell, worry about it. Deal with it. Don't allow it to come in. My soul belongs to me and it's my responsibility what I allow enter into it and what I allow to enter to my heart and what I allow to harbor. Those are the distractions that nobody wants to talk about. We want to talk about the distractions of the government and the distraction of politicians and the distractions of things like that. But we don't want to talk about the simple little foxes that spoil the vine that creep in unaware. But my soul is my responsibility. I don't have to let it hinder me from going to heaven. Because I'm going to tell you something. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm almost done. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Right now in your life, it doesn't even matter who's right and wrong. I don't care what it is you're struggling with. It doesn't matter who's right and wrong. What matters is that we uproot any bitterness so it doesn't keep producing deadly fruit in our life. It doesn't matter who's right and wrong. It matters that we uproot any unforgiveness in our heart so it doesn't keep producing deadly fruit. You cannot stay the course with rotten fruit producing in your heart. Because the matter becomes greater than the Savior. But if you can ever understand that every bitterness Every root of bitterness and every act of unforgiveness plunged beneath the blood is lost forever. 
It's liberating and it's freeing. Listen, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I'm not asking you to jump up and run down here. But I'm just going to tell you this. This is not what I had planned to preach today. But late last night, the Lord got to dealing with me. Late last night, the Lord got to pulling on my heart. And I've just made up my mind, I don't want to miss heaven for anything. And I've just had to get to the point to where even if others have done wrong to me, I choose to forgive and walk away so I can be free. What matters is that we uproot the tree of bitterness before it produces any more deadly fruit in my life. Let me finish with this. It matters to other people that you stay the course. You may think this is my life. It's mine to do what I want to with it. I, it doesn't affect anybody else. No, honey. It is. Uh, there are other people who are affected by you staying the course. I'm going to talk to you about that and I'm done. It matters to other people that you stay the course. It matters to your family that you stay the course. It matters to your children that you stay the course. They need to see you keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. They need to see you running the race and never stopping. They need to know that you are not going to be distracted. It matters to other people that you stay the course. tell you something I went to school with people you know there's friends and there's acquaintances I knew a lot of people I went to school with but I, we wasn't friends we didn't hang out we didn't do a lot of things together some of them even made fun of me because the only drug problem I ever had was being drugged to church while they were out doing other things I was being drugged to church because I would be honest with you, there's some days I didn't really want to go because I, I was, you know, I thought I had the world by the tail and I thought I knew everything and I didn't, you know. You know how it is. You've been there. But here's the reality of it. There were people who made fun of me. They laughed at me. They scoffed at me because I was the church boy. You know, I was the holy roller, whatever you want to call me. But as life has progressed... There have been multiple times that people that I went to school with that felt that way about me have reached out to me to ask me to pray about something in their life because it was important to them at that moment. So it matters to people whether or not we stay the course because the reality of it is we don't never know who's watching us. Let me finish with this. There is no time to lose the faith. We cannot allow ourselves to become distracted and let our guard down.
We must remain faithful and stay the course because the end is near. The culmination of our final eternal victory is close at hand. Grip the hand of the master tighter than you ever have and remain faithful and stay the course. It matters to somebody in your life that you stay the course. I'm going to say that again. It matters to somebody in your life that you stay the course. I could preach this message from a lot of different avenues. And I'm going to go ahead and just throw this out here just because I hadn't said the final amen yet. But if you want to know how else you can stay the course, and this is not a point in my notes, but if you want to know how else you can stay the course, you just need to get a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Because we still are Pentecostal. We still are Bible-believing, tongue-talking men and women of God. Hello, somebody. We still believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And if you intend to stay the course, you've got to get your eyes fixed. You've got to get your vision fixed. You need to go see Dr. Jesus. We don't need double vision. And we don't need blurred vision. We need vision that is tuned in to the Master. It is no time to be distracted. It is time to stay the course. Because you better hear what I'm telling you. And if you don't get up here and play this piano, I'm going to preach another hour. But you better hear what I'm telling you this morning. While we are being relaxed in our staying the course. While we are being relaxed in our seeking Jesus. While we are being relaxed in our continuance in His presence. While we are being relaxed in that, the devil is working overtime. He is not sleeping. He is not resting. He is not taking a day off. He is working overtime to get your family, to get my family, and to take as many people as he can with him. But I'm telling you, it's time that the church of the living God stand up again, square their shoulders back, and get ready for the fight, and decree and declare, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, and I'm going to stay the course because it matters to somebody. Stand with me all over this house.